Coming out there in podcast land, you have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast where we cover boxing, MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, whatever's on the old landscape. Now, today's episode is very special. We are going to have a fantastic interview later with MMA pioneer, fantastic Muay Thai fighter, Andy, the Crazian Wen, and she goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So, this week's schedule is going to be as follows. We're going to have our coverage of the WBC and WBA Super Middleweight Championship boxing match last night between Canelo Alvarez, superstar that he is, versus Ani Yildirim. Uh, our full breakdown of UFC Vegas 20. <laughs> our main card picks for UFC 259's Super Stack card. Another fire Q&A sesh with the old Rhino gang. And then, like I said, just a couple weeks before her line fights, Muay Thai bout on UFC Fight Pass. Andy, the crazy Wen is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So let's go ahead and get into our pro boxing coverage from last night. We had Canelo Alvarez versus Avi Yildirim, or Ani, oh man, whatever. Uh, he got worked as well. <laughs> Canelo is one of the best in the business. He is unstoppable seemingly at this point, no matter what weight class he chooses to fight in. So uh, again, it was the same story that gets told over and over by Canelo Alvarez. Fantastic jab, fantastic body work, and gets out of the way of almost every punch that comes towards him. Uh, he really worked Ildirim all through the first three rounds. He quit on his stool going into the fourth. Canelo, another TKO victory. Um, they're talking about Billy Joe Saunders is next. I'm kind of mm, on that. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So another win for the superstar that is Canelo Alvarez. Now, moving into UFC Vegas 20, I am not going to spend as much time as I normally do on the breakdown. There is oh, – I'm such a fan of combat sports. I'm such a fan of MMA this one really left me kind of being one of those people who was just, just like I saw a lot of the TL, like, man, that was really unsatisfying. Um, it was Decision Fest 2021. Uh, a lot of fights got canceled. There was only nine on the card. None of them except for, which we'll talk about in a minute, except for the um, the one, which was obviously that everybody knows was uh, Jimmy Rivera versus Pedro Munoz. None of them really were that exciting for me. None of them had that great, you know what I'm saying, that we get when we watch combat sports, which is why we watch it. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm very much looking forward to getting into the round game questions and looking forward to next week. So uh, Dustin Jacoby, the, who took a long break uh, for his kickboxing career over in glory, beat Maxim Grishin uh, by unanimous decision at 205. Again, not a super exciting fight, not a bad fight, but good win for Dustin. He got the unanimous decision, was very close. Uh, moving into the only stoppage of the evening, we had Vince Cachero versus Ronnie Lawrence. Lots of early movement for both guys. Some beautiful shots by Ronnie Lawrence. He has proven to be a takedown master. Smashed Vince, the tough Hawaiian, to the mat several times. Got the TKO finish in the third. Again, the only finish of the night. So big ups to Hani uh, Lawrence. And then, yeah, like I said, Vince is a tough, tough dude. We'll see him back, I'm sure. Sabina Mazo versus Alexis Davis. This was a lot of position over submission. Alexis did. Uh, you know, get Sabina down several times off of kicks. Didn't do a ton on the ground when it was on the feet. Sabina would tap her and piece her up a little bit, but clear-cut unanimous decision for Davis for all of the back control and uh, grappling with her. Then Alexander Hernandez versus Thiago Moises. 
This one where the, the guys threw a lot of shots, but very little landed, and especially nothing of super significance landed. I enjoyed the last minute or so of the third round when Thiago was just nonstop coming forward with his hands down, being like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I appreciated that. But, yeah, he definitely humbled Alexander Hernandez. I uh, got the unanimous decision there in the 155-pound division. Moving into the main card, we had Kevin Kroom versus Alex Caceres. This one was Kroom nonstop trying to get takedowns, looking pretty awkward, looking pretty off balance when he was trying to do it. Alex Caceres showed his veteran savvy, you know, outstriking him and being able to get away from almost all of those takedowns. Great uh, takedown defense for Caceres. Gave him the unanimous decision on that one. Clear cut. Then the only fight on this card that gave us the violence that we all crave. Big ups to Jimmy Rivera and Pedro Munoz for an incredible fight. This would have been incredible on any card, let alone a card that was as stagnant and bleh as last night's was. Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz stood in there, traded huge fucking shots, huge hooks. Pedro Munoz landed those beautiful calf kicks all night of Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera fought through it, did a great job showing his heart. Pedro Munoz definitely won that fight. I had picked Jimmy Rivera I thought Jimmy Rivera was going to win, but Pedro Munoz did a great job. Again, I hope they both got bonuses. I think they did. Pedro got the clear-cut win, but it was a banger from start to finish. Great fight. Really kudos to both guys. Uh, moving into 125, we had Montana De La Rosa versus Myra Buena Silva. This one was, again, this is a lot of Montana trying to take Myra Buena Silva down, but Myra doing a good job of staying on her feet. Did a good job with the plum, landing some knees. Uh, painted Montana's face pretty red. Uh, so I gave Myra two, both the first and the third. Montana, I gave the second round to. So the, again, decision for Myra Buena Silva over Montana De La Rosa. When we get to Magomed Ankalaev versus Nikita Krylov, uh, again, a pretty meh pace kind of a fight. So uh, Krylov did a good job in the first round of kind of keeping the pressure on, but the second and the third, it was all in Kalaev uh, for the takedowns, his jabs, his check hooks. It was pretty much all him in the second and the third. So, again, he got the unanimous decision. And let me go back to Buena Silva versus Montana De La Rosa. That was a majority draw. I forgot to mention. I'm sure some of you were like, wait, wait, wait. That was the wrong one. No, no, no. I forgot about the uh, point deduction in the first round. So that actually made it a draw. So that was a majority draw. For Montana and Myra. My bad. I, I just was trying to fly through the recap from last night. Uh, moving into, so yeah, Magomed on Kalayev and his fight got the admin decision. Then moving into the main event, which I was really looking forward to, Cyril Gahn versus Jerezino Rosenstruik. I thought this was going to be a banger. It ended up not being that at all. Cyril stayed on the outside, and I don't blame Cyril at all for this game plan. Stayed on the outside, used his jab, some leg kicks. Jerezino Rosenstrike just sat there, essentially, looking for counters that didn't come. He He's the veteran. He's the one who needed to move forward and make things happen. It was a boring fight. I know everybody knows who listens to the show. I am a gigantic heavyweight stand. I love the heavyweights. I love to talk about them. I defend them when I can. But I, I'm going to take a week off from defending heavyweights after that one. That was just uneventful. Not a great card. I love the UFC. I love fight cards. Uh, I know how insane it is to get prepped and to get ready. And, and all of the things that are involved in going into this, it just really underperformed. Of course, I still respect all the fighters. It just really was underwhelming last night. And I, I don't want to put too fine a point on and go on too much more. So, yeah, Cyril Gahn gets the unanimous decision over Jerry's Union Rosenstrike in a pretty uneventful main event. So, 
No Dre today. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get into my main card picks for UFC 259, the super stacked pay-per-view for next week. So uh, for the main card, I've got Tiago Marietta Santos beating Alexander Rakic by a third round TKO due to punches. Moving into the lightweight division, I've got Islam Makachev beating Drew Dober via unanimous decision. But let's hope he doesn't mess up his handsome face too badly. <laughs> the first belt on the line is the 135-pound belt with Petrion versus Aljamain Sterling. Uh, my heart is saying Aljo, but my head is saying Petrion. So I'm going to go TKO for Petrion in the fifth round. Uh, moving into the 145-pound female uh, division, we've got Amanda Nunez, the Lioness. Versus Megan Anderson. I think Amanda's going to have no problem with Megan. Third round TKO for the champ champ. Amanda, then Lioness Nunez at 145 pounds. And then the big one, the champ versus champ at 205. I've got Israel Adesanya beating Jan Blakovich by unanimous decision. But I think it's going to be a very close fight. But I do think they're going to go all five. They're both going to have their moments. But I got Izzy versus beating Jan Blachowicz by unanimous decision to win the 205-pound belt in the UFC light heavyweight division. All righty, D-Rains, now that we have finished up our predictions for next week's card, let's go ahead and get Dave Fretz a call, and we'll get into our Twitter questions this week from the Rhino Gang. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our Twitter questions for this week. We've got our main man, Dave Fretz, the iron side of ground design, filling in for my future player, Drea, this week. Dave, thank you so much for joining us, sir. <laughs> Rhino, my man. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I know our first question comes from our dear friend from up in Canada way, my homie Razor Sweet Potato. Razor Sweet Potato, what do you got for us this week, my dude? This first question here from RSP. The UFC has decided to do another season of tough, like season four of the comeback. They have tasked you with choosing one weight class with eight fighters who are no longer or never were in the UFC. Doesn't matter if they're signed elsewhere. Anyone is fair game. To compete for a title shot at the end of the season, the twist is that they will be coached by two young prospects from the same division who will also fight at the end. What weight class are you choosing? Who are you bringing back? And who is going to coach them? Once again, a fabulous question as my man RSP brings the fire every week. So, dude, I'm going with light heavyweight. That's guaranteed. I'm going light heavyweight. And it's going to be a true comeback season of tough. So all these guys have fought in the UFC. They're all been retired for at least a little while. And I think it's, it would be an incredibly uh, interesting season. So pick number one, Michael, the count Bisping. Yes. He's going to have to go back up to two Oh five. Number two, Forrest Griffin. Yes. Forrest Griffin from the Toyo Tire commercials where he throws his, or whatever that, I think it's Toyo Tire, <laughs> where he throws his tea all over the place. We're bringing him back. Chris, the Crippler Lieben, number three, who's been very active in bare knuckle, but hasn't fought in the UFC in a long time. Rashad Evans, he was going to give up his chair behind the desk of commentary and a breakdown is going to be back into the cage. Then we got Stefan Bonner, and maybe we can recreate that magic from... 15 years ago with him and Forrest. Filthy Tom Lawler. I know not everybody may know him, but I would bring back Filthy Tom Lawler because not only has he not been maybe active in MMA, but he's been doing pro wrestling, so at least you know he's in some kind of ring shape. Then we've got Tito Ortiz. That's only for the guilty pleasure of, for me, watching him get smashed by somebody. And then, shout out to fucking, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but wild card bitches, we're bringing back George St. Pierre. He was a champ at once 
170 to Tampa 185. Can he go to 205? I don't know, but I'd love to see him try. <laughs> so those are my eight we'd be bringing back. And then the two coaches would be who I think are the two best prospects to then be the next champ at 205, which are Dom Reyes and Yuri Prohaska. I would love to see the two of them as the coaches. This would be a season of uh, insanity. I know all those guys are past their prime. We all know that. We know that going in. But I would love to see who would come out on top at the end and then see Yuri Prohaska and Dom Reyes fight for the 205-pound belt after the season was over. Very cool question, RSP. So thank you so much for that question. So next one comes from our girl, APB. What does APB have for us this week, Dave? Here's what APB has. Wow, tonight's fights were so lame, I don't even want to talk about them. Moving on to next weekend, with three title fights on the card, who has the best chance of hearing and do? So for me, dude, I think Izzy has the best chance of hearing and new. Um, again, I think that's a it's a uh, it's a tough question because I, I think that Aljo has a good chance. And I, and I don't think Megan has very much of a chance against Amanda, right? So it really comes down to Izzy and Aljo. I still think Petriana is going to get that win. So if I'm going to go with, to answer your question directly, I think Izzy has the best chance of beating um, of beating Jan in the 205-pound title fight. So for me, the answer is Izzy. You're right. I hated last night. Uh, oh, hate's too strong of a word. I disliked last night very much. I really, really want to get to next weekend to see that card. So, yes, for me, APB, great question. I've got Izzy uh, having the best chance of getting the and new right after his name next week. So, thank you very much, APB. Dave Fretz, I know our third one comes from our dear homie, Scott Nolan, who's down in uh, in Texas. Scott, what do you got for us this week, my dude? A lot of Chris Lieben versus both, brother, both Paul brothers around the timeline lately. Do you think this has a real chance of happening? And if so, how do you see it going? Love you guys and hope all is well, y'all. Oh, Chris Lieben versus the Paul brothers would be just a fantasy dream come true for me. No, I doubt very much this is actually would ever take place. Um, I think both of the Paul brothers realize that even with all their arrogance, they would have no business being in a ring with Chris the Crippler Lieben. Um, I would love to see it happen. Believe me, I would love to. He could fight both in the same night, whether it was boxing. If it was boxing, I bet he would get rid of both of them or either of them in about two or three rounds. And if it was bare knuckle, he would smash both of them and scar up their eyes within the first minute of the first round of the other one. So, again, Scott Nolan, I would love to see that fight. With either one of them, I just don't see it, you know, being feasibly happening. Um, if it does, great. I just I don't see it. Um, I don't think either one of those uh, guys would take that fight with Chris. But uh, yeah, should he get the opportunity, he will smash both of them very, very easily. So big ups to you, Scott Nolan. Not only are you new dad in it right now, but uh, I shout out to you for all the help you're giving people down there with the uh, with the crisis down in Texas due to the weather. So big ups to you, man. You're a hero. We love you. And uh, well, I definitely look forward to hearing from you next week. All righty. So Dave Fretz, that is our three Twitter questions for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being the step in, fill in pinch hitter that we needed for this week's episode, my dude. Uh, my pleasure. Drea, we miss you. Come back. Uh, love you all. We'll talk to you soon. All righty, Rhino again. Let's get into our voice questions this week. And our first one comes from my homie, Dave Fretz. Dave, what do you got for us? This week? My dude. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. I wanted to talk about calf kicks for a minute here, because uh, if you remember, 
not that long ago, Dustin Poirier took out Conor McGregor, and the fallout after that fight was that uh, Conor McGregor and coach John Kavanaugh were casuals and weren't ready for the fight, and how could they not figure out how to block calf kicks? And here tonight we hear between Paul Felder and Michael Bisping talking about the fact, hey, you can't really block those kicks. You have to get out of the way. I just think it's kind of funny. I want to know from your opinion um, what these calf kicks are doing and how they're changing the game. And uh, I want to hear your take uh, really quickly on uh, Dustin's performance over Connor back then uh, in light of this. I think uh, it was taken away from Dustin's shine, and it pisses me off. Anyways, peace. Yeah, dude, I really can't remember a specific technique that has become as prevalent in like all my years of watching MMA as the calf kick has become in the last year or so. Uh, But just like everything else, dude, there will be an evolution as to how they are dealt with defensively, right? Whether it's the slide back of the leg or the lift to avoid, you know, that seems to be the two best options at the time, right? Like right now, but with coaches and other fighters kind of figuring out just like another technique, dude, there's a counter to everything. So I think that'll be uh, figured out here in the next, you know, maybe year or so, the best ways to avoid uh, getting that calf kick. And because it's such a damaging weapon, I do think that you're right. I think that Dustin was kind of some of his, you know, shine was taken away from his, beautiful performance against Connor by say, you know, by people saying that that they didn't understand, but them being Connor and John, how to defend the calf kick. But again, more of the bigger picture. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out how to deal with this very, very powerful and impactful technique. So yes, I do believe you're right. It took a little bit away from Dustin shine, but at the end of the day, he still got the big fuck, you know, he still got the big KO win. And then, um, yeah, leg kicks are here to stay for a while. So I hope people get on board with her learning how to defend them in a, the best possible way. So, so thank you so much. If you haven't already, absolutely check out Dave Fretz, my man, the eye side of graphic design on both Twitter and Instagram. Check out his fire posters and his other graphic design. Mm, amazing work that he does. Thank you, sir. All right. And Nordux, comes from my homie, Jim Assoon, who had tipped a couple back is what he says before we got this one. So Jim, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's going on? You bunch of fucking casuals. Ryan on the Rhino gang. Hope y'all are doing well. I can't believe it's fucking two weeks in a row. I remember to fucking do this the night of the fights. Like, holy fuck. I've also noticed that every time I'm on this fucking thing, I am fucking wrecked. I can hear it. <laughs> but, anyways, it is what it is. Um, fuck. Man, I am fucking drunk as fuck. Um, what was my question for you again? Do you remember? <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, heavyweights, fucking gone. What's next for him? Logical step is fucking Derek Lewis, right? So that's my question for you, man. Keep up the great work. You kids know it's always 420. Peace. <laughs> oh, Jim, you're the best, man. I love you, OG. Uh, next for gun, next for gun. I see Cyril versus Volkov, dude. I would love to see that happen next. Both guys are top ten. Both are coming off wins, just a couple weeks apart from each other. And then Cyril, who is like six five would not be able to stay on the outside against Volkov, who's 6'9", really long reach. He won't be able to stay outside and try to peck, right? He wouldn't be able to do that the way he was against Jarzinho. Um, 
I think Volkov would move forward. I think they would have to engage. And that would add a lot of, or answer a lot of questions that we may have about Cyril. Uh, Volkov is extremely talented, huge guy, a lot of experience. Cyril is really unknown in a lot of ways. So this would answer a lot of questions. So I'd really love to see Cyril versus Volkov next in the heavyweight division. So that's my answer on that one, Jim. Thank you so much for asking my brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right. Let's move into Sin City Sarah, our girl. What do you got? Sin City Sarah. Hi, Rhino gang. It's Sin City Sarah. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Rhino, my question for you this week is what you're looking forward to most next weekend with next weekend's card um, and specifically how you think the Amanda and Megan fight will go. I love you all and hope you're having a wonderful week. Oh, man, I'm very much looking forward to Izzy versus Jan, dude. I love that matchup. I think it is the skill and the technique of Izzy versus the power of Jan Bohovic. I am I, I am over the moon about that fight. I can't wait to see it. The stakes couldn't be higher. They're both champions. It's it's, it's going to be amazing. Um, how do I see Megan versus Amanda? I think Amanda is going to have um, the ability to back up Megan, negate her height advantage by closing the distance, big punches. I think she's going to hurt her early, get Megan kind of on her bicycle to try to stay away. I think in the second or the third, Amanda, the lioness is going to catch Megan Anderson and put her away. Like I said, probably the third round I'm kind of leaning towards right now. So yeah, great questions. My friend looking forward to Izzy and Jan the most. And then that's how I see Megan versus Amanda Nunez going. Um, if you guys haven't already, of course, check out Sins and series YouTube. She is hilarious. She is kind. She's beautiful and wonderful in every way. We love Sin City Sarah. So thank you so much for this week's question, Sarah. Moving into my homie Kairos from the Shots Fire Pod. What do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino. Hey, Drea. There's a lot of people who are very upset with how Rosenstreich and uh, Gagne played out last night, to say the least. But there was one person who had an interesting perspective. They said that because it was a chess match and it was in the heavyweight division, people aren't wanting to see that because the heavyweight division is known for one and only one thing, and that's just destruction. And when people aren't provided with that, it's seen as a flop. How do you guys feel about that perspective? Because me personally, I kind of share the same sentiment because like had TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz gone out there and had a chess match, I don't think too many people would be saying the same exact sentiment. But you know, I'm open to be uh, convinced otherwise. Thank you guys so much for your time. Have a great day. Yeah. Is it is it because they are heavyweights that last night main event sucked? Yes and no. Like, I completely am a card-carrying stan of the heavyweight division that everybody who ever knows me or listens to me knows that's true. The The biggest reason for the un is, is because they have unparalleled power, and they can dish it out, and they can take it. Huge, huge shots that other weight classes cannot produce. I'm putting very little blame on Cyril for last night's fight. Um that was only his eighth pro fight, and he did what he thought he needed to do and was the best strategy, which was to stay outside. The main beef I have is that the extremely experienced Jairzinho Rosenstrike just kind of sat in the cut. He knew he was very clearly losing, but he still sat and just waited for counters. You can't do that, right? You walk, He walked backwards. He kind of angled off. He didn't bring the fight forward. He didn't engage, and that's what made it boring for me and for a lot of other people watching, I'm sure. It's the, it's the optics, dude, right? The slow and plotting optics when heavyweights have their version of 
of a chess match. It just doesn't come off well. It's not for a fan to be like, oh, wow, I really look at these two guys just standing there and not doing much, right? It just, it doesn't do anything for a fan. I think it's really off-putting to watch, to be honest. Um, Your example that you brought up of like TJ versus Dom, that version would not be the same because I think there would be a lot more feints. I think there would be a lot more movement and it would keep you engaged as a, as a fan watching far more than a heavyweight fight would. I don't think heavyweights get that opportunity to do that. I don't, I just don't think so. It, it, there, there's no, there's not much to gain, you know, by, by watching something like that. So yeah, still a huge heavyweight fan, but I'm just, I'm taking the week off from defending them after last night's main event. So of course, Kairos is so great on his shots fired pod and his YouTube channel. Absolutely. Check them out. My dear friend and fellow Michiganiac. All right. I know our next question comes from my homie juice from the friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got for us this week? My dude. What's up Rhino and everyone in the Rhino gang. Uh, this is Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. I want to get your input on this. So since its inception, the UFC has been considered like the pinnacle of mixed martial arts. It's like kind of like the birthplace. And with when other organizations pop up, they always kind of, not always, but they generally want to like kind of do something to set themselves apart from the crowd. One championship, for example, has like, you know, Muay Thai events and things like that with four-ounce gloves in the, in the, in the cage, which is awesome. And Bellator has like Bellator kickboxing. Well, Dana has expressed interest in doing Zufa boxing. Um, I think he wants to like sign up and coming boxers and run like a whole thing. However, a lot of people have been speculating like, is it going to be, you know, UFC fighters competing in boxing matches against each other? So who are some matchups on the current UFC roster that you would like to see anyway, class? Let's go. Okay, so if we're going to get Zufa boxing going, and we're going to have UFC fighter versus UFC fighter. I came up with a few that I would love to see. Max Holloway versus Conor McGregor. I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, it would get a lot of hype. I think it would bring a lot of eyes to it. Be a fun fight. And I think Max is going to have a great chance of beating him, but it'd be a great fight either way. Next would be Robert Whitaker versus Colby Covington at 175-pound catchweight, which in boxing weight classes, that's the light heavyweight limit. So, 175, Robert Whitaker, Colby Covington. I think Robert would smack him up. I'd love it. It would be a great display of both guys' cardio, which is they're both incredible. Um, but yeah, I think Whitaker would smash Colby, which I would love to see. Then we could have the redemption match, right? We could have Francis Aganu versus Derek Lewis. Their horrible stinker of a fight they had in MMA. I think they would both know that they're not going to have that again. They're really going to go out and throw two of the best, hardest punches in the heavyweight division and in the world, to be honest. I would love to see them go out in a boxing match. And then lastly, John Jones versus Izzy. That would be a fight that, man, everybody would tune into. There would be a ton of fun stuff leading up to it. And then once they're actually in the ring, I think both guys' skill set and their range would be put on display. Really fun fight. They're both very experienced guys. Izzy in kickboxing and MMA. And then John in MMA. Great reach. Oh, man, it'd be so much fun. So, yeah, those are the four I would come up with. So thank you so much, Juice, for asking that question. Um, If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Juice with his rebrand podcast, Friendly Sparring with his homie Leo. Very, very cool stuff. Alrighty, I know our last one comes from another one of my Canadian broskies, Decrons. What do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, man? Uh, what a night of fights. UFC Vegas 20 decisions in the desert. Oh, <laughs> Canelo crushed a can. I don't fucking like using that term, but here we are. Uh, I'll take what I can get, though. 
my question for you is Victoria Prodigy Lee. Did you catch her one debut? And I was wondering, do you think her team should focus more on development at this stage and perhaps worry about the damage you could take at 16 years old? Just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And nothing but love, brother. So, homie, I did not watch um, Victoria Prodigy Lee's fight. I have a kind of a, <clears throat> I have a hard time a little bit with anybody being a professional fighter before they're 18. I feel like if you're 16 the way she is, she should be in the amateurs and not professional. There's just too much more at stake. There's too many. I don't know, man. I have a hard time. I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around someone who's that young being a professional fighter and being put in that kind of dangerous environment. Um, yeah. And, and to answer your question uh, more specifically, I absolutely think that her team and her camp should be really just focused on her uh, getting better at all facets because she may be a prodigy, but there are so many things to learn in this game uh, in order to keep yourself safe and moving forward. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one. D. Kronz, thank you so much for asking him, my dude. Alrighty, that's going to come to the end of our voice questions. Some awesome ones today. All of them are awesome, actually. So, after a quick word from our sponsor, we're going to get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Andy the Crazian Wen. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest. You know her from Ryzen, from Bellator, former King of the Cage, Adam Wade champion, future Muay Thai champion of the Lion Fights organization, Andy the Crazian Wen. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Thank you, Todd. That was a lot of, that's a long resume. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you deserve it. You've been at it a long time, a lot longer than other people can really uh, stay in the sport. You've been relevant. You've been at the top of your game. You are doing it, my friend. I am so, so stoked to have you on. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first question for 10 Rounds of Rhino, Andy, is where we love to get to know the backstory, the origin story. How did you first get involved in the uh, combat sports world? Um, it was about 10 years ago. Um, MMA got, was legalized in South Carolina, and um, and I was invited by my son's father. He was engaged, and I just moved to Myrtle Beach so my son and his father could be, get closer. And uh, they were my only friends, so him and his fiance got me a ticket, and 
it was a sold out show and I didn't want to go. I didn't want it to, I didn't want to see two half, you know, naked guys going at it in a cage, just, just barbaric and just unclassy. So I just mingled with, you know, I, I was new in town. I was just mingling, drinking beer. And then they called out these two female straw weights. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. So <laughs> Yeah. So, and then I, it was, that was it. I remember running to him. Um, and I was like, I got to do this. He was like, you know what? This is be- this is your calling. And then his fiance was like, why would you tell your son's mother to go, to go in the cage? This is dangerous. He was like, you don't know her like I know her. And they were both my, my first fans and my first followings. It's crazy, but it, yeah, it's true. That is a fantastic story. <laughs> I love it. Um, unlike a lot of fighters in MMA today, you had a very substantial and long uh, resume of amateur fights. You had 20 fights uh, before turning pro in 2015. Was that just you wanting to sharpen up the experience as best as you could before you turned pro? Or what was kind of the thought process behind such a lengthy AMI career before turning pro? Um, at first, it was just a hobby. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a tomboy at heart. My hobby before that was just like shooting pool, but that you know requires going to a bar or something. And so when I picked that up, I, I just fought just to have fun. I didn't cut any weight. I just fought my walk weight, whatever that was at that time, at that moment or whatever. Um, then I started getting serious and then I didn't, you know, I got my foot out, you know, to the door a lot faster than other people, I guess, because of my looks and my makeup skills. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Um, then I started I, then I just started get, taking it more serious. And then my son's dad was like, you know what? Won't you uh, just let Sebastian live with me and go, go train and turn pro to see if you want to. So I uh, that's when I moved to Louisiana and trained full time with Andrea Lee for a while. And then I saved up like, I don't know, six, seven thousand dollars. And I just went over there, moved and just full time trained. And that's totally two different levels of training. What I was doing was like part-time training and then I would still go to work you know and and as an amateur of course you're not getting paid yet you would have some sponsors that would help but you still have to work so luckily I was able to save up some money and then just focus on training and taking it to another level and then that's when I you know that's when I turned pro got it though that's absolutely makes perfect sense to me uh you've really fought for a ton of different organizations in your career the aforementioned king of the cage adam way champion legacy bellator but the question i want to ask you on this one is Ryzen. you have been able to uh fight for them two times uh in your career what were those experiences like for you to go over to uh Ryzen and fight for that promotion uh, i think it was like three four times um awesome. the first time uh I remember watching me, you, Yamamoto fighting Rena, and I was like, wow, look at that stage. That walkout is so long. And I remember <laughs> watching it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to fight there one day. And then, like, I think it was like maybe even like only four weeks later, uh, um, the, owner, the owner of King the Cage, uh, he was like, hey, what do you think about fighting in Japan? And I was like, I'll do it. Let's go. And, uh, he was so I was representing King of the Cage. That's why I was wearing the top for that. So um, he was using, I think Ryzen was using other organizations for their fighters. You know, yeah. I didn't have a contract with them or anything. Um, they were just using King of the Cage um, fighters. So I I saw that fight and I remember wanting to fight there one day and I did it. It is um, 
it's an you can't explain it you just have to do it it's it's crazy the fans are so sweet the fans are not like in america you know in america when you go to an mma fight you're expecting beers and very belligerent and uh a lot of curse words um like kick her ass you know fist pumping <laughs> but when you go to japan like you, there's no vendors with alcohol or at all because plenty of time after I fought, I wanted to go get a beer and I couldn't because they didn't have any. Sure. You could do a, you could just drop a pin and it, you could hear it. The cornerman don't even have to yell. He just talks normal. It is so quiet, but so respectful. And I enjoy it. It's a different, it's a different, you can't tell it's 40,000 people in that stadium. Right. No, the, the, the crowd experience is completely different. And I love that's the reason I bring that up. I love asking that question. Um, you know, I've had a couple other fighters on who also have fought for for Ryzen. And, and, and I just I think it's such an interesting dynamic, the uh, the fan interaction and just the entire uh, presentation that they have over there is so fascinating. So I appreciate you uh, sharing some of that with us today. So I'm sure you've been asked about your uh, incredible and elaborate ring entrances two million times, Andy. So instead I just want to know where those ideas come from. Do they just kind of pop in your head like, oh, this would be something cool to do, like the Michael Jackson one? Or is this something you actually like sit down and write, like brainstorm some ideas? Uh, where do those ideas come from? Well, it's an entertainment business, so I like to entertain people. And I am the Crasian, so that means I'm a crazy Asian. <laughs> I, I, Ryzen's got a great walkout, like the runway. Why, why not? I mean, I'm not modeling. I might as well entertain them. And whatever I feel at the moment, like my debut, I walked out to American Woman by Lenny Kravitz. I mean, it makes sense. I was um, I was Asian, but I was coming from America. Sure. And, you know, yeah. So, and then the last one was, the, you know, the Michael Jackson one and, that it's just uh, I it's my warm up before I get in the ring I guess. The the dancing gets you all loosened up and ready to rock and roll once you step into the kick of the ring. You gotta have fun with it, right? I love it. Uh, so speaking of you fighting March 12th on UFC Fight Pass, we're gonna see you in the Muay Thai ring for the Lion Fights promotion. Your kicks and your elbows have always been like a really strong suit of your MMA game. At least that's what I've always kind of taken away from watching your fights. Have you had time to like adjust? to some of the techniques differences in MMA to Muay Thai, or do you feel like they're going to really be able just to slide in one into the other? You know what I mean? The, the, the way you hold your elbows or the way you hold your knees in a Thai fight, are you just going to kind of implore your MMA techniques in there, or do you have to make some slight adjustments? I'm definitely backwards. I should have did Muay Thai and then I would go into MMA. So yes, <laughs> there was a lot of, there's a lot of things like I, uh, I just fought last month and, uh, they, they changed opponent on me because my opponent had backed out. So I just I got another girl that was like very experienced in the Muay Thai world. And of course, I'm not going to say no to the fight. You know, I I did train for a fight I didn't train for her kind of fight. So there was a lot of things that we needed to work on before I go on this big stage on UFC Fight Pass. So the thing was like that was always um, my coach would be like, you have to fish for underhooks. You got to fish for underhooks. These girls are trying to take you down for MMA. Well, you don't fish for underhooks in the Muay Thai clinch. You know, you, you, it's different. You're, you're going for a different kind of you don't go for underhooks. You go with a full clinch and the elbows in. Um, I my last Muay Thai fight, I actually hip tossed her. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> she swept me twice in round one. There was 10 seconds, you know, 10 seconds left from the last round. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to toss her. <laughs> so, I mean, she, she giggled, I giggled, but it was like the end of the round, whatever. I fought a, I fought a Muay Thai guy who was a, 
a pro boxer and a pro Muay Thai fighter. And he, he fully inside elbowed me in the nose. And I'm like, I'm looking at the ref. I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I didn't see it. I was like, oh, you son of a Okay, I see how it is. All right, we'll play these games now. Um, well, we're all very much looking forward to that fight for you on uh, online fights. I love that promotion. I'm really glad they're back. I'm glad they got the, you know, they have the uh, platform of the UFC Fight Pass. So that's very cool. So the Crasian is a phenomenal nickname. And I bring up nicknames a lot on my show. I love them. I love to know how where they came from. So where did the Crasian come from? and who gave that to you um so i used to be called like the asian persuasion when i was an amateur i, I guess because of my sexy uh pictures or whatever but um tussle uh he his name is slade he uh owns tussle which is like the number one woman's uh sponsorship with their fight gears and everything and he was like one of the biggest supporters i mean it doesn't exist anymore but he used to text me and be like hey what's up crazy and he would capitalize the c Lowcase R, capital A, kind of like your rhino thing. Yeah, I yeah. Like the way it looked, and I was like, oh, I like that. So once I turned pro, I wanted to get that, use that nickname to try to, you know, steer away from the sexiness. Because, like, I, I know I got a lot of male fans because of, like, the pictures. But, like, you know, I got to have, like, the fighting fans also. Sure. No, it, it fits amazingly. And you're right. That's something that definitely uh, is one of those brand kind of names you know what i mean one of the ones that you just say it once you know exactly what you're talking about where you could use the word pitbull and that could be 20 different people right so yeah exactly. the creation is singular under yourself so i think it's a great it fits perfectly um obviously you're in training camp right now because your fight like i said is coming up in a few weeks we saw a very cool inter uh, interview we saw a very cool um promo video that you put out about some of your training doing road work hitting mitts doing the weights um i know that music plays a big part at least in my training and most other fighters that I know training. What's on the playlist right now for the Crazy while she's training for the big lion fights uh, fight coming up? Um, what do you mean, like when I'm training or like just in general? Yeah, just in general. What are you, what's on the playlist right now? Like, what are you listening to right now? What's what's hot in the music world for you? Uh, going uh, it's usually techno with lyrics. I, you know, I hate techno. So I don't I don't recommend it, but it, it hypes me up to do my workout and I have that on, on like the, you know the speaker. But the song from that promo is Beautiful Pain by Eminem. And I don't like rap that much either. So I took out his rapping part and just let the girl sing <laughs> in that <laughs> promo video. <laughs> yeah, he's probably mad at me. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, being the first of anything in the fighting world, especially, is always very cool. You have the distinction of being the very first Vietnamese American pro female fighter in any major organization. You and Kung Lee on the male side. Um, are certainly trailblazers for the future generations of Vietnamese American fighters. Have you ever reflected back on what a big deal that is? Because it really is amazing. Is ever like something like, wow, I was the first one to do this. I mean, there's over, you know, there's over 1.3 million Vietnamese Americans in America right now. And you and Kong are kind of like the pinnacle fighters that they can look up to. Do you ever sit back and be like, wow, this is a pretty cool spot that I've been able to put myself into? Uh, after my second profile, I was like, I wonder how many Vietnamese female pro fighters? I already knew about Kung Lee, so I had to Google it just to make sure. And I was like, oh, I am the first one. So that's when I posted that I am the first one. I think the second one was B Win, but uh, yeah. I, I didn't know how big of a deal it is until I went to Vietnam and there's this huge, nice MMA gym. It's called Saigon, Saigon Sports Club. And uh, they have my poster up there and. Um, it's 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 really nice. It's really nice to you know make history. 
It's well deserved too. Again, there there are so few times where you see something for the first time, or there's someone who breaks down a barrier for the very first time. And we, you know, we're not talking about 20 years ago. We're talking about just a few years ago. And so that's again, I think that makes it even more special. And I'm really, really, I really think it's very cool. Um, in addition to the fight world, you've proven yourself to be a very successful businesswoman with your calendars and the other fine merchandise that you can find at the Crajan Merch dot my shopify.com <laughs> is the marketing and business world something you kind of see yourself with going into post fighting or is that just going to kind of run it until you don't feel like doing it anymore i was just doing it just to do it and uh and it's, it's you know it's nice it's nice to have that because sometimes if i don't have inventory like my family would go into the fights they're like do you have any shirts and i'm like oh dang it no i sold <laughs> out or whatever so my husband is the one that was like we need to make you a website and I was like yeah whatever no <laughs> and he and he he worked on it and yeah I'm glad you brought that up uh, so it we just we just got it on there probably like 48 hours ago nice so once again that is the crazyenmerch.myshopify.com for all of your crazyen merch needs wants and desires you can get it over there at the crazyenmerch.myshopify.com Alrighty, so talking about Crystal Van Wick, she is your opponent for the March 13th fight on uh, Lion Fights. What do you know about her, and what do you think she brings to the table that'll be a challenge? Um, let's see. She's from South America. I've always thought her accent was pretty sexy. I don't like her <laughs> attitude because she says she's gonna knock me out, but I mean her her accent is sexy. Her attitude is not, but uh, yeah, she said that. I I just want to put, you know, like her foot in her mouth <laughs> that's it <laughs> or your or your foot in her mouth as it were oh, yeah that could do too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we uh that's definitely going to be a big one now let's say you've already had a lot of experience in fights so you already talked about beer earlier but in round nine with rhino we always love to talk about so my obligatory food question if you will andy when the fight is over, the training camp is done, you've already won or whatever, you are, you are out, you're with your husband, you're with your family, you're with your friends, and it's time to really indulge in like a big post-fight meal. What are you going for, and where is it going to be from? Probably going to go see my son. I haven't seen him in forever. There's two fight camps back-to-back, and I love Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so Krispy Kreme donuts is going to be the – the post-fight indulgence for you, eh? Yeah, I actually had some today. But but I trained a lot, so I, my weight was good. <laughs> <laughs> no one is going to be upset about that. I am sure you've never had a problem. Uh, I know that the uh, I know the, I know that Muay Thai weights are a little bit different than MMA, but I don't think there's going to be any issue. A, a couple of Krispy Kremes here and there, doing as much training as you're doing is not going to matter much. Um, so, Andy, we've actually run our way to the very end of the of the uh, interview. Can you go ahead and let them, the people know your socials so we can follow along, me and everybody else in the Rhino Gang, with your career? Of course, we're going to tune in in March for the uh, Lion Fights, but then moving forward, we'd love to follow you on your socials. So, could you uh, hand those out to the people? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram, Andy the Crazian One. I believe Twitter is also Andy the Crazian One. Uh, you could correct me. Yes, um, I, I no, believe that it's correct. <laughs> I couldn't even remember my <laughs> Skype when you asked me. I was like, oh, I'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. It worked. And you can also find me on my website, thecreationmerch.shopify.com. Um, that's that's about it. Thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, we certainly appreciate you. And thank you so much. We all look forward to uh, what's happening for your career as we move forward.
This is Andy, the crazy win. I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, what an awesome time talking to Andy. I've been watching her uh, forever. I am really stoked to see her fighting in line fights in a couple of weeks. Very, very cool. Really fun to talk to you. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Andy. The Crazen went again. Oh, if you guys haven't already, of course, check her <laughs> Check her out. Um, just look up her um, Michael Jackson Smooth Criminal entrance. It's possibly, if it's my vote, but it's, it's, it's one of the two or three best of all time as far as ring entrances. So cool. Smooth Criminal, Andy Wynn. Check it out. All right, let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs and our outros for all the homies who participated today. RSP, APB, Scott Nolan, Dave Fretz, and thank you again for reading the questions today, my dude. The homie Jim Assoon, Kairos from the Shots Fire Pod and his YouTube channel. My girl Sin City Sarah, check out her YouTube channel. Very, very cool stuff. Oh, uh, we had Juice next from the Friendly Sparring Pod. My man D. Kranz. Of course, other members of the Rhino Gang, Brat, Jess, my Scream Queen Supreme, Lanta Brown, Mike Morgan. The wonderful ladies of the PRG, Mr. B, Miss Fight Diva, Angel from Shark Division, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, my boxing broski, Pokemama, unsolicited fight picks, Ashley the MMA nerd, Pamela's Times 2, the MCCI bros, my big homie Doc, all my homies over at Underdog MMA, all my bros over there at Dodge Sports. Thank you guys all so much for all of your help and your support and your uh, uh, your feedback. I love it. I thrive off of it. You guys are doing such an amazing job of helping me get better, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Of course, to Drea, the my future player, we look forward to having you back, back next week, Drea. Of course, the best engineer the biz and man i had a lot of edits today so big shout out to d raids of course to my man dave frets the inside of graphic design the triple d the backbone of this operation be safe out there everybody wear your mask stay socially distanced be kind love your neighbor black lives matter and we will see you next week K-Sign!